Welcome to Enbus Talks, a podcast focusing on business in Singapore and Asia, where we take the lead on innovation, new technologies, and new solutions. Because Norway means business. With your host, Anders Hegre, Executive Director at the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Enbus Talks. Today, we are focusing on the business opportunities for Norwegian companies in Singapore and the Southeast Asia region. Our guests today are Her Excellency Anita Nergor, Norway's Ambassador to Singapore, Leonard Opitz Stornes, President of Enbus and Managing Director of NHST Media Group Asia, and Paul Kostman, Director of Innovation Norway in Singapore. Over the next hour, we will cover the consequences of the pandemic, the importance of innovation, trends shaping 2021, Team Norway's main message to the Singapore government, and much more. You will also learn why there has never been a better time for Norwegian companies to look to Singapore and the Southeast Asia region for business opportunities. And hang with us to the end to know Her Excellency Anita Nergor's best and worst experiences in Singapore and what her legacy will be after her four-year tenure as Norway's ambassador to Singapore comes to an end this August. But first, a big thanks to our gold sponsor for this episode of Embus Talks, Tome Group. With its roots in the Scandinavian shipping tradition, The Tome Group prides itself upon offering innovative ship management services globally from its headquarters in Singapore. For over 50 years, the company has been at the forefront of the ship management industry and today offers clients all over the world integrated services. From ship management, crewing and training to offshore structure management, Tome offers a complete range of products and services essential in managing a wide range of marine assets worldwide. The Tome Group also provides a number of ancillary services to its clients, including new building and conversion project management, marine consultancy and marine services. Building on Singapore's dynamic growth as an international maritime center, the Tome Group is now recognized as one of the world's leading independent ship managers with more than 300 vessels under its management. Serviced by over 800 shore staff and more than 12,000 crew members operating worldwide. One and a half year with COVID-19. How has the pandemic influenced business and people's lives? What are the negative consequences and, if any, the positive consequences? Anita, would you care to start? Yes, thank you, Anders. Uh, I think it makes sense to start with the negative. Those are definitely the ones that uh, will come to mind first. And uh, first of all, the uh, loss of life uh, of the pandemic. Uh, I think that is uh, obviously the the most important negative uh, effect. Then, of course, uh, COVID has also had and, and will still have enormous economic uh, consequences loss of work, livelihoods and, and income. Um, I think we've also seen uh, the risks to, to mental health, um, how loneliness and isolation has um, have uh, affected many people, not least during uh, lockdowns. And of course, we're still in a situation where we notice uh, notice better perhaps when we live far away from our families and friends, um, the fact that we can't visit, we can't um, go and see our, our families and, and uh, friends. Uh, and for many young people, I think it's, um, it's also a sense that life has been put on hold a bit, that you, you're not actually having progress in your life that, that you um, would have thought you would have. So, uh, so those are already um, uh, quite uh, quite big uh, uh, effects of the pandemic. I think on the positive side, uh, we've seen the tech savviness increase um, across age groups from uh, very young kids uh, being absolutely fluent on their um, 
their uh, tech equipment now doing home learning and all of this all on their own uh, to the older generation uh, like um, my mother-in-law is uh, 90 this year uh, she was already on FaceTime but now she she WhatsApp me, apps me um, almost every day and shares pictures and it's it's fantastic right um, so um, there are also these uh, these positives. I think a, a another positive effect perhaps is that we've seen more clearly in societies, uh, or we re-evaluated in societies who provides essential services. Uh, I think that is a real positive, and let us not forget. That, that when we were all in lockdown and many of us have jobs where we can be online but but we would not have survived long without all those people um, who had to uh, to go out there and uh, do the kind of this the servicing of of societies um, they have sorry you then specifically well if, i mean the healthcare workers obviously but also uh, teachers um, uh, others in childcare all of those uh, providing uh, food and transport um, and other utilities um, so it's it's amazing to see um, and of course the the uh, the maritime sector and all the seafarers, uh, many or many of whom have not been able to to um, uh, to leave their uh, ships or to to um, board their ships. Uh, so they have they have all been involved in this uh, massive and incredibly impressive operation to keep the world going while many of us uh, stay at home and uh, and connect online yes thank you i must say that one of the most uh, depressing things uh, i have experienced is that i'm never among those mentioned as essential workers so <laughs> but i try to motivate myself anyway so leo paul uh what are you think your thoughts on this well, I mean, it's it's easy uh, for people to lose hope and to focus on on the negative side effects of a, of a disruptive event uh, like this, uh, especially when as a, as a community we we are battling a global pandemic. Um, but for every low, there is a high, I guess, uh, and this is even true for a scenario that we find ourselves in right now. So since we are also looking at the positives, I guess. One of the upsides is the rate of innovation that we see uh, in business and in the community. Um, and if we look at the number of companies uh, being established, we're seeing record numbers, uh, much higher than what we saw before the pandemic in 2019. Um, and yes, part of that uh, is obviously because of the loss of employment uh, and scaling back of conventional industries. Uh, but the silver lining here is that we also see a lot of new innovative companies being established. Um, the number of patents is very high also compared to what we've seen in previous years. And of course, that is, that is an aspect that I, I think we should also not forget. Uh, there is disruptive changes, but it can also have some positive uh, outcomes. Leo? So I totally agree to what Anita and Paul has mentioned of the challenges and opportunities. And in particular for our members, the majority being in the shipping and the maritime scene, uh, the crew changes has been and will continue to be a, a major challenge. And then we have the challenges with the commodities and supply and demand, which is continuously being disrupted and will continue to be an issue in the months ahead as well, especially when you look at what happened in the Suez Canal which is having a backlog effect for long term. The positives, as mentioned by Paul and Anita, I totally agree. Digitalization has been stepped up within all of the segments where we have Norwegian companies in Singapore. And that has been a real positive because companies had to turn around really, really fast to get into a digital, digitalized uh, business model. Yeah, thanks. And that leads me into to my next question. Uh, uh, which is that the degree of innovation, as you mentioned, Paul and Leo, um, seem to have uh, increased tremendously uh, the last year. 
Uh, what have you learned about people and companies' um, ability to adapt to new situations and find new solutions to problems? So, being in Singapore, we are obviously impressed by Singapore's push, the authorities' uh, ability to lift up on the agenda, the importance for companies to think ahead and be have foresight. I think that has played a major role in the society here, that it was lifted up on a high level right from the start. The companies had to turn around if they're going to sustain. Obviously, there's been really good financial support from, from Singapore. But I think the expectations now from the authorities is that companies take on board the support that's given and really kickstart the digitalization if they haven't already done so. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, in general, Norwegian companies uh, don't compete necessarily on price. I mean, they compete on technology and they compete on, on being the most advanced in their field and so on. And so, of course, if you are then suddenly in a situation where you are switching to more digital platforms, um, you have to find new innovative solutions to adopt to changing environments. Then, of course, being innovative, being tech savvy uh, will obviously stand your company well, I think, in a situation like that. So for Norwegian companies, uh, you know, yes, albeit they've been affected uh, heavily by the pandemic like everyone else. Um, I think they are maybe better equipped to tackle it than many others. Okay, how so? Can you specify how they are better? Well, as I said, uh, because they are maybe more tech savvy, mm -hmm. they are also more innovative. They're not necessarily competing on price. Those are some of the main reasons, I think. Okay, thank you, Paul. Anita, do you want to add? Yes, no, I think we've, uh, I, I, I totally agree with uh, Leo and Paul. I think we've seen that um, both um, companies, people, societies have turned around quite quickly and found a new mode of living. Um, it has, uh, I think one of the things we'll be watching for and wondering about is, is how this uh, has affected all of us uh, for the long term. Have we now changed our preferences? Will we, will we wish to, to live differently? Will we want to go back to, to how it was? Uh, how about the young, younger uh, generation? Will they, um, will they continue to, uh, uh, to, be, to live differently than before? I, I know from talking to my um, to eldest children, they, they say that this notion that we have of going online to do things is wrong. They don't go online, they live online. It's, it is their world. So um, I think for the longer, longer run, it will be interesting, of course, to see how, how um, uh, work life has changed or will have changed, how how the ways of doing things might have changed and how our preferences might have changed. Okay, so taking this a bit further uh, and maybe uh, you Leo, we, we see a tendency uh, of a shift in Enbus membership base. Some companies are hit badly by the pandemic and have shut down their business. Uh, other companies are currently establishing themselves here. Uh, within which sectors do you see the greatest business opportunities for Norwegian companies in Singapore and the region? That being said, though, you know, if you look at the membership changes from last year to, to today, it's minimal. There's very few companies that left Singapore during the crisis. In fact, we got several new coming into Singapore which is a sign of the times. It's uh, more visibility in Europe for opportunities in Asia with digitalization again. So, but there will always be some that will, will have a problem in a crisis. That's uh, regardless of what kind of crisis you're in. But in the long run, we see the uptrend that there is more companies coming in. And if you look back 20 years at the number of companies in Singapore, which were Norwegian owned, the context has changed <clears throat> quite quite a lot, obviously from maritime shipping, which was the core, the banks, 
Now we see a new breed of companies coming in, smaller, more agile. They don't need office space um, as before. That was the trend. You need to have an established office with an address, etc. Now you can get the setup in uh, at um, anywhere mm -hmm. and just get going, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a different way of operating than it was mm -hmm. just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we still see um, the maritime and offshore industries is very important in Singapore, but they have obviously uh, changed over the years and they're continuing to change even at a rapid, more rapid pace than before. Um, so for instance, within the maritime, we, we still see digital technology as very important, the big data um, or internet of things and, uh, and uh, autonomy even more so than before because of the pandemic, because of crew change issues, this has been even more put to the fore. Um, then of course the switch also you see within sustainability, there is an even more focus now on sustainability than before, meaning that within offshore, we also see more focus on offshore wind, we see more of focus on offshore solar, um, we see more focus on hydrogen, for instance. And so Norwegian companies that have been here for a while, they are switching uh, or diversifying, uh, but then you also see, like Leo was mentioning, new companies coming in within these segments. Um, but also, I think um, we see companies uh, within health tech, for instance, or smart city tech, digital technology again, circular economy, uh, could be waste handling, um, could be water treatment and so on. Uh, this is also even more of a focus as part of the sustainability um, uh, so, um, there are quite a few interesting new areas that we see. Um, and if we look at the sort of the significant trends that are sort of shaping us, which is sort of driving this change. Um, so, in addition to the, the general trend of innovation that I mentioned before, uh, we also see massive changes in consumer behavior. Uh, this is also prevalent here in the region. It's not only global, it's obviously here also with record numbers of people going online. Um, and with a high degree of mobile penetration and internet use in this region, with this will also, of course also affect how business uh, will be conducted going forward. And um, this will affect e-commerce, shopping for clothes, shopping for groceries and other essentials, uh, but also within healthcare, as I mentioned, with telemedicine, you know, meeting your doctor without actually having to meet him face-to-face -face or her face-to-face, -face. education, Negatives, positives, of course, of not actually having to go to a classroom, but it will also bring down costs, make it more affordable for uh, larger groups of people. Um, so if we can find a good mix of doing things online with education as well as in classrooms, I think it could also help making it more accessible to a larger group of people, which is obviously important. I, I think uh, what you, Paul and Leo, um, express is quite uh, a positive and optimistic view on the business opportunities for Norwegian and, and other Western companies, for that matter, uh, here in Asia. Uh, and then with maybe Singapore as a hub, from, as we see it. Anita, from, from your perspective, is that a, a, a view you share? Well, I definitely share the view that there are um, and are and continue, will continue to be enormous opportunities in, in Asia and that the um, trend of a um, rapidly or more rapidly growing Asia will, uh, will continue for, for quite some time. And Southeast Asia is, uh, is incredibly well placed in that regard. But I think there's also another... Um, trend here um, that companies need to be aware of and that is the um, geopolitical tensions especially uh, when it comes to US-China that relationship and the consequences of that for, uh, for all other countries so to speak uh, and for many companies uh, will also still be a very difficult one to to navigate i think we've um we've seen this already of course that security concerns um influence in a sense economic relations and relations within um 
research and development and technology. Uh, we saw it most clearly or seen it most clearly perhaps uh, within uh, telecoms and 5G where uh, Huawei has uh, been um, been uh, partly banned or or partly not chosen by by many countries for uh, for security or, or political reasons we've seen it with the former trade uh, war uh, under the Trump administration. Um, but looking at, at where this is heading also now under, under the Biden administration, I think it's important to, for companies also to, to have an eye on this and realize that the, um, the era where you could um, separate very clearly the political and the economic and technological Technological is is no longer here. Uh, there will be uh, there will be effects uh, back and forth, and uh, it will be more difficult to navigate for many companies, especially when you have um, when you have uh, good technological solutions within, say, uh, core areas or um, uh, or so-called strategic sectors. Mm. Leo, you are a business leader yourself and, and also involved in, in China. So uh, uh, in relation to what Anita is saying, what should one look out for uh, in, in this context? I think it's important to look at it holistically and try to understand what's happening. You know, it's difficult to really predict what the world is going to look like in one year and not even one week down the road, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to foresee. But you see some, you see some trends and uh, you see that there are more investments coming in from China to Singapore. We have uh, Tencent, ByteDance, several other bigger uh, Chinese tech-owned companies setting up headquarters for this part of the world in Singapore. Uh, you see there is more movement of people in from China to Singapore, buying properties, etc. So the investment pool of money from mainland China to Singapore will have some ramifications on Singapore's uh, setting long term. Paul corrected me when I, when I stated that uh, some time ago and said, well, still, the US is a, a big investor into uh, Singapore and Asia, and that's definitely correct. But you see that being rebalanced and you see that over time, China will, the way I see it, take over uh, much of the, to say, a, being a dominant investor in Singapore and in Asia. And you see that happening on the stock exchange in Hong Kong, where Western companies are to some degree moving out and the Chinese companies moving in. I don't think it's going to be many, many years before you see some Chinese companies also listed on SGX. So that's going to change some of the, the context of the operating, operating environment in Singapore. Paul, mm. I think uh, I think both uh, both of you have very uh, interesting points. I um, I was in China in two thousand and seven to two thousand and fifteen, uh, and in two thousand and ten we had the peace uh, prize going to Nobel Peace Prize being given to a Chinese dissident, and we saw then the ramifications that this had for the Norwegian business community, obviously people familiar with that know that. The Norwegian government uh, obviously said quite clearly that this is an independent um, uh, prize, you know, it's not given by the government or anything like that, but the Chinese don't see it like that. And so, like you say, Anita, obviously business and politics uh, has been a central core in any relationship with China. They spill over into each other, but even more so in the future, this will be the case. So. The fact that we now have this uh, competition, we should say, between China and, and the US, um, and that this will affect business dealings, of course, if you're present in China, doing business with China, and that uh, things that happen outside of your control could also affect your business, is something to factor into the, to the mix. And of course, also, like Leo says, Chinese companies and Chinese interests being more present in this region, Southeast Asia, could also have some spillover effects uh, to the business operations on the ground here. Uh, it's just important to keep that in mind, um, I think, yeah. when you make decisions. Yeah, 
think uh, very good described uh, context and also for, for companies uh, established here and looking out to establish here. Uh, and of course, then uh, seeing it from Enbas perspective, Team Norway perspective, Innovation Norway in the Embassy. Um, Based on this, what is uh, what are your uh, main focus areas for for Team Norway in 2021, and and what is sort of in the communication with the, the government? What is the main uh, message on behalf of the Norwegian business and uh, the Norwegian colony in in general? Anita, would you? So perhaps if we uh, talk about the the uh, priorities for 2021 first um, and then um, come to the message uh, picking up um, on what uh, Paul and Leo said earlier uh, sustainability um, circular economy green technologies are really the priority for uh, Singapore uh, these days in addition to the crisis management of the pandemic of course uh, so for the embassy, main priorities really are to, to uh, of course, to continue to strengthen the relationship between Norway and, and Singapore, both on the political and economic, commercial and, and uh, research, education and cultural level. Um, we do cooperate um, more closely with Singapore now on issues related to climate change and sustainability, the oceans the Arctic, um, but we also follow very, very uh, carefully many developments in ASEAN. Um, uh, right now, uh, the situation in Myanmar is, is uh, at the top of, of that agenda in many ways. Uh, so regional developments um, uh, are also important for us uh, when, we, uh, when we are in touch with uh, Singapore. Um, research and education is, is an, an exciting uh, area where uh, so much is, is going on uh, based on a wide number of, uh, of cooperation agreements, more than 30 cooperation agreements with between Norwegian and, and Singaporean institutions and um, Science Week that we're now uh, conducting annually, uh, joint industry pro projects, MOUs, um, uh, between really top um, uh, top researchers uh, and academics in Singapore and Norway, so that is uh, hugely exciting. Uh, you asked about the main message, um, and I think from from um, our side, from my side now towards the Singaporean government, it's really um, a message of of. Um, um, in order for Singapore to, to preserve its status as a regional business hub, uh, the rules and conditions here must take into account the needs of the international, including the Norwegian business communities uh, and, and companies. Uh, of course, you have the uh, COVID uh, rules right now, travel restrictions, uh, stay home uh, notice, uh, entry approvals, uh, and the fact, and, and this is an important point from, from our side, um, that we believe that families who live here must be able to visit their um, friends and families, their home countries, without fearing that they can't come back in time. Um, of course, then observing uh, the relevant uh, restrictions like, like stay-home notice. Uh, but also other, say, framework conditions on, on hiring of international staff, the fair consideration framework, uh, the quotas set. I think we all understand um, the type of, of pressures and, and um, the type of, of balance that any government must, uh, must find. Um, and this is, uh, this is certainly not clear-cut or, or very easy but it's it's important to avoid a Singapore first mentality yes Paul you care to add yeah I, I, I totally agree with with Anita on this I think this is very important uh, just to get that message quite clear across I think 
Singapore is an important hub. I mean, it's a, it's a considerably small market in itself, 5.8 million or 5.6, depending on how you count it. Um, and of course, there is a massive amount of companies here, multinationals, several Norwegian larger companies also present here. And they're not predominantly here because of the market in itself in Singapore. They're here for the regional markets. And when you have a hub with a regional approach uh, or a regional, uh, you cover a regional area, cover regional markets, then of course you will also require an international group of employees uh, to cater to those markets. And so that is, that is something that um, there must be room for uh, in an international global hub. Uh, so, so that is that is important that it doesn't become a Singapore first policy towards hiring practices and so on. Uh, although, of course, I do realize that it's important also to secure employment for locals. I think if you look behind the numbers and look at the numbers, that is actually already happening. Yeah, Leo, you are raising these uh, questions uh, also uh, on behalf of the European uh, business as uh, part of the leadership in in Eurochat. Uh, is the message uh, similar? Yeah, and I think you know, sitting around this table, uh, one realizes that we are very much aligned in the thinking of what is really the importance for Singapore and the Norwegian context uh, in the years ahead. You know, what what needs to be done to secure that uh, long in the long run. Obviously, Singapore now is in a different political uh, kind of setting than it was a few years ago. There are other considerations than maybe Singapore had to take uh, five, five years ago um, to ensure that there is alignment and uh, that Singaporeans are you know, in, in, in the workforce to the extent possible, which we obviously fully support. The, uh, the steps that, because your original question was more of what are the priorities, right? So last year was the inaugural Singapore-Norway Innovation Conference, which is put in place in an attempt to build the bridge, a more clear bridge back home to Norway, but also towards Norwegian or Singaporean entities that have an interest in what the Norwegian companies are doing here. So that's something that we will continue working on from Enbus side to bring value back to our members. The, the type of members we have now is really interesting, right? We have um, cultural center, Norwegian Singapore cultural center. We have Pexip that came in uh, recently. So it, it's a lot of um, work from Enbus to bring that message out to as many people as possible, which we're trying to do on the resource page where all members are welcome to put forth their value propositions and get some visibility. Hmm. Could I just add in on, on this? I think uh, this is an incredibly important point and we have uh, long talked about uh, Singapore and Norway as ocean partners and I think we should continue to do that but we are also innovation partners and I think uh, the um, Singapore-Norway Innovation Conference uh, is, an, is a terrific example of, of how we can uh, bring together um, the skills, competences, technolo technological uh, advances of Singapore and Norway across sectors. And I really commend ANBAS for, for taking that initiative and uh, hope to see the second edition uh, in October um, really um, bring this one step uh, one step forward and then hopefully there will be uh, the possibility for for people also from Norway to uh, to come and participate in a future SNCC that would be that would be great to see Paul and since we're on the topic of SNCC maybe just also to emphasize a little bit on the topic that we will cover in this year's edition and we are looking at, again, sustainability. We're looking at sustainability in the ocean space, but we're also looking at sustainability in the more urban space. So circular economy, again, is coming to the fore and also technological solutions uh, like smart tech and so on. Uh, so this is definitely areas that also resonate well with the Singapore side. So that's also the reason why we're working with our partners on the Singapore side to, to come up with an interesting uh, program, uh, which is in the process at the moment. Um, but I would also like to dial back to uh, another 
event that you mentioned, which is the, uh, the Science Week, which is also taking place because we have a person in my office that is working quite a lot on representing the regional research institutions and uh, also their interests vis-a-vis -vis counterparts in Singapore. And uh, Sintef is one such, University of the Arctic, Tromsø is another. And of course, uh, we're also looking at NTNU. So uh, that is another complementary event that is happening also almost at the same time with, uh, with, um, with SNCC. So, um, Anita? So, uh, just to, to, to uh, spend half a minute more on the innovation conference to be hosted on uh, uh, at the 20th October this year, uh, it is a a feat it's well deserved but it's also a feat to have um, secured the uh, participation of the president of the world economic forum uh, our former foreign minister uh, Berge uh, Brenda at the innovation conference so i really look forward to tuning into that from norway yeah and that brings us to uh, to uh... Uh, a somewhat different uh, topic here, uh, Anita. Um, you have been a prominent ambassador in Singapore for four years, and uh, uh, you will end your tenure in August uh, this year. Uh, what has been the most interesting and fun experiences, and uh, what is the worst? And uh, what are your thoughts and reflections uh, about Singapore and the region? Well, I, uh, it's, it's really difficult to choose, actually, uh, among all the positive, fantastic, fabulous experiences. There's been so many. Um, I think I, I should mention perhaps some of the high-level visits we've had uh, before the pandemic. We would typically have uh, two, three uh, visits per year by ministers, deputy ministers, and in addition to that, delegations from the parliament. Uh, we've had uh, the foreign minister, the uh, trade and industry minister, the, the minister and deputy minister, and more than 100 delegates um, from the transport sector um, to, to ITS um, uh, a bit more than a year ago. Uh, we've had um, uh, visits on climate and the environment, uh, uh, deputy minister as well. We've had this amazing ASEM Green Shipping Conference in 2018, where also the sec Secretary General of the IMO participated. We had our Minister of Finance uh, visit. Um, uh, she was uh, stunned by the fintech uh, festival with uh, more than 55,000 uh, participants and also the, the um, conversations she had with the um, financial elite, both public and private, uh, extremely interesting. Um, Arctic, uh, Arctic events, including the, the Arctic exhibition and film in the Art Science Museum was a, a highlight. Um, Nordic Christmas in gardens by the bay. There really are many. And then more on a personal basis, perhaps uh, opening the Christmas bazaar or, or uh, visiting um, the Siemens church, uh, visit, the, visit Semakau, the garbage island, the greenest garbage uh, island, I think, anywhere in the world. It's quite amazing opening of the Nordic Innovation House, um, accompanying a Singaporean minister to Tromsø and Hammerfest to Melkea for, the, um, for a look at, at the Arctic and, uh, and energy and also uh, community and, and how to, to live. Uh, but perhaps some of the most grand and fantastic events uh, are the ones done together with ENBAS. Uh, so Norway Night uh, is a, a fantastic event when whenever that happens. And the seafood dinners. So um, with 1,100 people typically in, in the uh, Grand Ballroom, absolutely amazing uh, sight and world-class uh, seafood. 
and I could go on, but uh, there are really many fantastic, uh, fantastic events uh, and positive experiences. I think we all realize that the world changed um, quite dramatically with the uh, with the uh, pandemic and the circuit breaker and, and that sort of environment and home learning and 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 so on is not something I uh, wish to repeat. But perhaps one of the worst single experiences was um, 7, 17th of May in 2018. Um, at the Siemens Church, everything was, was wonderful. Um, and our then five-year son had just won a prize in the games, a little penguin, toy penguin. And just as the procession down the hill was about to start, he realized that he had lost his penguin. And the band started to play and flags everywhere and procession was, was about to start. So we could not go and look. So at the front of the procession, there was, um, as people were cheering and waving their flags, there was this... Uh, this absolutely heartbroken howling little boy and his distressed ambassador mom trying to 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 uh, to not be um, too too distressed by the fact that this kid was screaming his head off so yes that was uh, a stressful couple of minutes yes thank you for sharing uh, Anita. Uh, Leonard, I want to uh, want to go a little into you also because I think you have a, a fascinating history. You arrived in uh, Singapore in 1995, I think, and you told me that originally you were only going to set up an HST's business here, but then after around three months, you just called back home and said, "I'm not coming home and uh, not coming back." and uh, why was that? And in in addition to that, what makes Singapore so special? Well, I think uh, what makes Singapore special in 1995 is the same, which makes it special today in a different way, of course. But when I came to Singapore at that time, there was not that many Norwegians here. Um, there was an enormous interest then uh, from my company, NHST, to really establish uh, the headquarters for Asia there. So my mission at the time was to recruit uh, the crew and, and go back home, but that, uh, that uh, I didn't I want to stay here. I want to be a part of the journey and I haven't regretted one single day. I think every single day when you wake up here, there are new opportunities to be seen. Um, there are constant changes at what uh, Anita mentioned. The Say the challenges, the political challenges, are different than it was um, 25 years ago, of course. But um, the opportunities are immense if you do it the right way. And if you have staying power, if you have patience, and you understand the markets around you, and have a humble approach, anything can happen. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, what can uh, what can uh, Norway learn from the Asian way of doing business? I think it's more the long term planning. You know, Singapore has a system for, for example, um, planning the city layouts in detail, planning what the world might look like, or thinking what the world might look like ahead. It's very very different. But if you have a system, a systematic approach to looking at every single detail around you as a society, you have a better chance of sustaining in the long term and position Singapore for the growth era that's ahead. Because there's no doubt in my mind, Asian markets will bounce back strong and robustly after this crisis because there's pent up demand on commodities. There's pent up demand on, on cash uh, in the pockets and the banks for spending. So there, there's never been a better time to, to grow in the Asia business than right now. Hmm. Well, no, I think you're, you're onto something very important if you look at Singapore. Uh, if you look at Singapore in particular, I guess, um, because 
what I find fascinating here, and what I always say, if there are politicians or anyone else coming from the Norwegian side uh, to look at what Singapore has to offer and what's special about Singapore, yes, there is interesting technology here and all that, but I think if you look at the governing aspect, it's also very important uh, learning or lessons to be had because it's very uh, well coordinated across various kinds of ministries and departments. It's all very much coordinated by the Ministry of uh, the Prime Minister's Office. Uh, and so there is a holistic approach to how they do things. It's well thought through, it's well planned, and it's well coordinated. Um, and I think also there may be, they're also more able to make uh, priorities in some respects to say that we cannot be best at everything. We're a tiny country, we have to make priorities. And so they make priorities. And one example is the 3D printing, where they've said that, okay, we are a manufacturing country. We have the highest costs or one of the highest costs for labor. We have to be ahead of the game when it comes to industry 4.0 and, and, uh, and uh, 3D printing. So they invest more in that than the US does. They invest more in that than the EU does, because that is one area they've chosen to get good at. Mm. But they can't do that across the entire board. They have to choose, mm. but they're good at doing that. Could I also uh, add in on, on exactly on this? I, I think it's, uh, these are very good points and it's incredibly interesting to look at uh, Singapore's um, strategic foresight and very systematic work on, on foresight. So they have this um, Center for Strategic Futures under the Prime Minister's Office. They work very systematically on different scenarios. They look at not only economic trends or demographic trends, but at all different sorts of developments, whether it be cultural, uh, technological, um, a, a range of, of different issues uh, where they do horizon scanning and then they bring it together and um, work at it across government, across ministries, departments, and really think through what also what what events or trends that don't seem that important now, what they might mean if they take off. I think it's a, a very interesting and fascinating way of, of thinking through the different possible futures. And as was um, mentioned by Paul and Leo, then uh, make some bets in a sense, and uh, not on specific companies, but on, on technology. Technology areas, for example. I think uh, our next question or my next question may relate to this because um, uh, through SNIC and through other processes, we are engaging more uh, with uh, the government of Singapore uh, as Team Norway, as Innovation Norway, as NBOS. And I would like you to hear your reflections. Um, and when we are developing the cooperation, uh, both especially with Enterprise Singapore and Maritime and Port Authority Singapore, which new opportunities does this cooperation create for Norwegian companies looking towards Singapore and the region? Well, we, we uh, signed an MOU with Enterprise Singapore uh, last year uh, amidst a sort of a general sense of increased protectionism in the world. Um, uh, and the reason for signing this agreement uh, was to strengthen the collaboration between our countries in some key sectors, uh, such as the blue economy, uh, which includes the maritime industries, offshore renewables, etc. Um, and the second area is sustainable urban solutions, um, such as circular economy technologies, transportation, etc. Uh, and the third sector is health tech. And then the fourth, which is uh, sustainable food production. And, and typically what we do is that we exchange information on requirements and regulations uh, in our respective markets. We also organize uh, delegation visits uh, or virtual site visits like we've done uh, for companies on both sides. And we also organize joint events and webinars to promote our uh, respective uh, industry stakeholders within these sectors. Um, we've had a series of webinars on aquaculture, for instance. Um, 
And we've had uh, virtual market entry programs for Norwegian companies in health tech, in smart city and surfer technology to Singapore where Enterprise Singapore and uh, their subsidiary, the IPI, have presented uh, the market opportunities to Norwegian companies and also help uh, match them with local stakeholders and partners um, where this has been of interest. So I would say now we are trying to also bring them in, obviously, to uh, all the kinds of activities that we do, for instance, with SNCC. Uh, and um, we do a lot together. And I think it actually helps Norwegian companies to have a very, that we have a very close working relationship with such an important government stakeholder that can help facilitate uh, their establishment in Singapore, their expansion in the region, and so on. So uh, for us, that's been important reason. I think um, uh, what Paul said is, is absolutely true. And there's a, uh, from the outset, there's a goodwill in the Singaporean government for uh, Norway, Norwegian um, companies, uh, competence, skills, way of doing business. So we are uh, here, uh, obviously, to to uh, help promote that and, and make visible what Norway uh, can offer. We do that partly together also with the Nordics, but uh, we we want to to make sure that we do what we can to uh, to to make um, Norwegian companies, Norwegian competence uh, visible and known here in Singapore. Working with Enterprise Singapore, EDB, um, MPA, A Star uh, on the research uh, field, um, but also with the Monetary Authority of Singapore when it comes to the um, financial industry, and uh, with other uh, stakeholders here. So um, we are, um, and now, for example, with the National Environment Agency, uh, when it comes to some of uh, our companies offering solutions, technologies within sustainability and circular economy, or um, or uh, agencies uh, within the food uh, food um, protection area. Uh, so this is a uh, this is a an important part of what we do. We we uh, we uh, help promote those relations um, either directly also with Norwegian uh, government agencies, um, but also um, here locally. So if you look back a few years, I think what really has been strengthened is collectively in Team Norway, we have built up that relationship at a much higher level than it used to be, both with Enterprise Singapore, EDB, MPA and the others which I mentioned. So we put it at a level where we can further build upon it. And what we always ask ourselves and ambas is, why is this important? Why is it important for our members to, to forge these relations? And it's it's to the benefit of our members to 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 build upon it, and within SNCC we will again, you know, showcase what Norway and Singapore has to offer towards all these key stakeholders in Singapore. So it's a work in progress, and we'll we'll keep doing that better and better. Yeah, thank you. I think we've covered a lot of ground. I have a couple more uh, last questions uh, going in. Landing here, and uh, first of all, I want to ask you around the table: What is your main message now uh, to a Norwegian business in Singapore and the Norwegian colony? Maybe I'll start with you, Anita. Thank you. Uh, I'll. I'll uh, I won't be able to to give you one main message, but I'll give my main message in three points, if you allow. So, first of all. Uh, all pandemics and and this one will also end and I believe we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, secondly, perhaps um, uh, this region, Southeast Asia, will continue to offer incredible opportunities uh, to Norwegian companies. Uh, there's a hunger for the type of technologies and skills that we can offer and uh, like Leo said, there's never been a better time to uh, to look to the opportunities in Southeast Asia. And then, most importantly, perhaps, uh, to the Norwegian community and, and Norwegian companies here, you can always count on the embassy on Team Norway. 
to do what we can for the Norwegian community and uh, Norwegian companies and other Norwegian interests uh, here in Singapore and in the region. Well said, uh, Paul. Well, what she said, essentially, I think uh, she covered it very well. I think, but maybe one dimension that I'd also like to add, we've mentioned it briefly, but uh, the Nordic dimension, uh, we are working with sectors that are growing, that are young, with a lot of young companies, and we might not always have critical mass of companies within a segment or sector yet, uh, but we do if we go together with the other Nordics. And so, uh, for instance, with the building of the new capital city in Indonesia, which will take, which will be built in Borneo. Uh, there will be a lot of project opportunities coming from that. And we do that together with Business Finland and Business Sweden to look at the opportunities. We have a project on that now. Similarly, within healthcare, also a regional approach, looking at the opportunities in the region. We also have a big project on that coming up. So I would say that there are interesting developments we are working very closely in Team Norway. The embassy is always here for the community if they need help. And then, of course, there is the Nordic dimension also to, to look into. So I think there are many opportunities. So many good things has been mentioned here, but I just want to add on, you know, together you are stronger. And we, we realized that clearly when the crisis hit, that this was an opportunity for us to get closer to our members. And we had conversations with every single one of them through the, through the crisis that's been. And that's something we're going to continue because we realize there is so much that we have in common of opportunities and challenges. And we bring that together, we can find solutions together. So one of the missions for, for me at least is to further work on that and bring the Norwegian businesses in Singapore even closer together. Thank you. Then I have uh, one more question only for those two uh, gentlemen, uh, Anita. And, um, uh, let us start with you, Paul. Uh, what is the legacy that uh, Anita will leave behind uh, as an ambassador, to, as the ambassador to uh, to Singapore when her tenure is ending in August? Um, well, I I had the fortune of working together with Anita now for the past three years. She came here one year before me, and I have never worked as closely with um, uh, an ambassador before as I have with you. And um, she is a very inclusive and a very consultative person. She trusts you and she trusts your opinion. She brings in other people within Team Norway uh, to listen. And uh, she's always available to, to support uh, the projects that you're involved in. Um, she's a very modern ambassador. Uh, she has uh, been a very, very strong support for Norwegian business community in Singapore as well as uh, the people. Uh, so I, she will definitely be sorely missed. And there is, I haven't experienced such a good Team Norway collaboration as we have here in Singapore. And and it's become an example of how we can do it. And, and she has been the one uh, leading the way in that collaboration. So, so that will be her legacy um, within the Norwegian community. Yeah, no, it's been a truly remarkable journey um, working with Anita through these uh, four years. It's been so, um, let's say, giving in many different ways because of the engagement. I guess when you come in as an ambassador and a, as a leader um, for the embassy, um, it's when you're lifting it up to a level where it becomes a passion. And I think that's been Anita's drive, right? You've been very passionate about everything you've been doing, especially towards NBUS and the Norwegian business community. You've been so engaging, um, helping to build the bridges that's so important for NBUS with individuals, leaders in Singapore and Norway, bringing it together and presenting it to NBUS. It's purely unique and we wouldn't be in in the situation we're in today, if it hadn't been for Anita's contributions. So um, your memory will stay with me forever. Thank you. You are much too kind, of course, but thank you so much. It's been a, an absolute pleasure uh, cooperating with you both. It's easy to second those words about you, Anita. You are a visionary and a source of inspiration. And I will also miss you when you leave Singapore. But all good things must come to an end. 
And so also for this episode of Endless Talks. Please visit nbas.org.sg for more information and to sign up for Singapore Norway Innovation Conference on 20th October this year. Thanks to Anita, Leonard and Paul for sharing. And thanks to Tome Group for sponsoring this episode. And thanks to Norwegian Culture Center, who is a year sponsor for Endos. Our producer is Linda Hesselberg. Thank you for listening to Endos Talks. Thank you for listening to Endos Talks, a podcast from the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore, with your host, Anders Hegre. To find out more, go to envas.org.sg and join us for our next podcast shortly.